I had 11 chefs audition. We were able to employ about seven. And now we've grown into this rotating cuisine experience where each month uh, we highlight a new country. This is Boss Ladies. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Boss Ladies. I'm so excited to have you and and to talk about all the amazing things that you work on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and sort of how you got where you are today? So my name is Maymuna. I'm the co-founder and executive director of the TIA Foundation. I have a social enterprise restaurant, which is an extension of our work. Our uh, restaurant rotates um, international cuisines in Little Ethiopia, Los Angeles, and we were voted recently as top LA 101 restaurants, which was really exciting. And 40% of the proceeds, thank you, thank you. And 40% of the proceeds go back to the nonprofit organization. And the services that we provide are to help families that were formerly displaced that are now starting over. So we help them with their transition process. And what that looks like is, um, you know, providing case management career placement, community opportunities for engagement, economic advancement, if they want to partner with the restaurant and share their recipes. So we really help them feel grounded and, you know, grounded and rooted here in the United States. And what inspired you to start the TIA Foundation? The motivation was from my personal story. Um, I was born on a refugee camp after my parents fled Ethiopia. Um, They fled in the 70s. Um, They met on the camp. That's where they got married. I was born there, came here in the early 80s. You know, my dad came first. We reunited with him. And all I know is their transition process. You know, most of my childhood was just growing up quickly um, to help them acclimate and um, just watching them with their transition process here in the States. So um, my mom was already volunteering and supporting refugee families. Um, I too was really passionate about the kids. So while I was in grad school, it just made sense for us to partner up and start the organization. Did you have an aha moment where you, you knew that that all of a sudden that's how you wanted to support refugees? Um, no, not necessarily. I would say um, kind of happened organically, especially after starting the org with my mom, and then it triggered her PTSD. So as she stepped away, I stepped in. Mm -hmm. I had to really work through that imposter syndrome. Like, who am I to help these families? Um, I I technically wasn't displaced, right? I was born after they were displaced, like not in the best circumstances. Mm -hmm. But um, by focusing really on the kids, and then understanding, like any immigrant child, you know, what my parents are, um, facing, you know, all the different obstacles, um, it eventually made sense. Like, I really had to think backwards, like, what would my parents have appreciated? What would my Mm -hmm. parents have needed? Um, How did my parents want to feel? So um, yeah, that's, that's really worked. I love that. I think that's such a thoughtful approach. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm curious what about like, 
what that aha moment might've been like for starting the restaurant portion of that. And when that idea came about, cause I, I love that. And I think it's amazing that it's one-on-one best restaurants. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, we actually opened the restaurant our brick and mortar the same week as the stay at home orders. So that was interesting. <laughs> I'm sure we very to... challenging. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to open as, you know, an experiential dining experience. And the reason being is two years prior in 2018, um, you know, I was really working through some budget cuts um, that hit the refugee resettlement community at large. And I had to think about sustainability and ways to, you know, keep our doors open. And what I love about the social enterprise model is you're already using an existing talent within your resources and um, great food was at our reach. So it's just made sense. You know, um, although my family and I are from East Africa, the families that we work with are global. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about clients from Venezuela, Guatemala, parts of North Africa, East Africa, the Middle East, South Asia. So it's, it's very um, eclectic. And I had 11 chefs audition, we were able to employ about seven. And now we've grown into this rotating cuisine experience where each month uh, we highlight a new country. That's so amazing. I can't wait. Next time I'm in LA, I I will be going. (laughs) Yes. So how do you balance? I know you were saying with your mom, for your mom, it was emotionally traumatic. How do you balance, you know, with, through the foundation, having emotional support while also helping to find career opportunities? We have a designated career placement specialist. Her name is Mira. And the position was created in partnership with PIMCO because we saw this huge gap, especially during the pandemic, where refugee parents, especially the moms, already had trouble navigating. And um, there were little nuances like networking that were really difficult um, during the pandemic and the quarantine. So what we did was um, create a position that would be in charge of partnering with um, different companies, um, whether it's a family-owned small business or a larger corporation, anyone who is willing to provide entry-level job opportunities for the refugee clients. And what's awesome is these partners that we work with um, already guarantee um, a a position um, in partnership with TIA. So we're there to help fill the slots. And then it's a win-win because now the client has respectful living wages um, in California. And it's because of the advocacy work that we do on the ground for them and really negotiate with the employer before they meet our, our clients. So, you know, like you're just talking about, you're obviously helping corporations and I, and I read also higher education institutions and, you know, helping them to employ support and retain, you know, and empower a diverse workforce. Can you give some advice for any listeners if they're, if they want to start with this, anyone who works at a company where they can, you know, put more time into helping with this mission? I think like virtual assistance um, is something I can compare it to where people were looking for virtual assistance and you can find one anywhere in the world. And Um, depending on your budget, you could find someone that might be overqualified to help you because of the training that they have Mm -hmm. in their home country. 
So the same thing with the refugees that we work with, you're talking about people who worked in banks, who were professors, um, maybe they were working for the US military as translators. So to be honest with you, they're, they are overqualified. And then maybe, maybe not, would there be like a language barrier? So mm-hmm. what we advocate for is, you know, providing that job opportunity, knowing that you're going to have loyalty, um, you're going to have someone who's like highly experienced, um, you're going to have very thorough work. So it's, it's really awesome. And I think the partnerships that we have, like, do really understand the benefits of, of hiring someone that's just so um, prestigious from their home country. And is the best way to do that to partner with the TIA Foundation? Like, are you looking for new corporations to work with? Or is it, you know, are there other ways to get in touch with, you know, yeah. your clients? Yeah, definitely. So we're always looking for partnerships and you're welcome to send us an email at info at TIA.org. And then I'll connect you directly to our career placement specialist. And her name is Mira. And, um, you know, she's there to support the employer and the employee and do the matchmaking for you. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, you are able to see problems and create solutions. Like, do you have any strategies for, for how you do that, that you might want to share? Yeah, I think, um, I'm a natural problem solver and that's just something I had to do since I was little trying to navigate the home life and this new country at new at a new school, new environment. When you're at school, you're really working hard to acclimate. And then when you come home, um, you're really working hard to like maintain your family's traditions. Because of that, I've been able to um, adapt to different environments and then learn kind of like how to strategize in some ways and, and problem solve in other ways. Uh, which led me to get my master's degree in organizational management. And the focus was organizational development. I wasn't really focused on product per se, but people and relationships and um, really cultivating a healthy work environment. And now I've been able to adapt that into the organization. Um, And then also just having that hindsight of what a volunteer wants to experience, you know, who Mm -hmm. maybe has no refugee or immigrant background, and then um, pairing them with the right family to work with. And then I understand like what their needs are, and like where the gaps are, and then just trying to um, make that connection. So I guess you can say all of us at the TIA Foundation, there's like 14, 15 employees, we're really good at matchmaking. So whether it's giving the right experience to a foodie or giving the right experience to a new immigrant family that's starting over, like we just, we have that adaptability. That's so amazing. And do you have any role models or mentors that have inspired you or helped you through this process? Yeah, actually, um, I have an amazing board of directors um, that I rely on and I love like their input and their ideas and their strategy. However, I think when it comes to the TIA Foundation in particular, I've never seen this done before. So I know that we're pioneering something new in many ways. And um, that's, that's been nice to see. So there are organizations out there that are doing very wonderful work on the ground, providing basic necessities and, you know, setting up people's homes or um, collecting goods. And I think for us, especially having that personal experience and that lens of what the families need. We're very minimal. Um, I Mm -hmm. guess you could say minimalist when it comes to 
not collecting donation items and not doing like really big uh, drives around used goods, but really focusing on job opportunities and um, housing at some point. Yeah, it's just, it just comes down to people want to be housed, um, people want jobs, and they don't want to be isolated. They want community. You had mentioned earlier as we were talking um, that sometimes you get the feelings of imposter syndrome. And I know I get that all the time. And I think that that's unfortunately very common. Are there any strategies that you use or you find personally help you combat that? I have to keep reminding myself that my life experience um, makes me the expert in the room. And I have to remember that those experiences, whether they be traumatic or not, um, holds a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just something I really need to lead with. And my education, you know, I think, you know, there's this combination of having my master's degree in organizational management. I do have prior experience working in the nonprofit sector. I did want to work actually as an executive director of a museum. So there was that cultural background and my undergrad was multicultural studies, like all the things I think led me as stepping stones to where mm-hmm. I am now. And I could easily sit in the room with other professionals and then feel like I'm the imposter. But um, in reality, that's not true. I think I read a quote somewhere that um, imposter syndrome is just being really surprised at how amazing you are, not having trouble believing it. <laughs> Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) That's such a great way to think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And where do you see, you know, the foundation in the next five years? Like what are some of your goals and where do you hope to take it? Yeah, I think right now we're um, really recovering from the pandemic. I mean, there's still a pandemic out there, but society's opening up and we are just, you know, putting one foot in, in front of the other and growing pretty quickly since then. So collecting our wins, um, but knowing where to make improvements, for example. So if somebody sent, like, sends us a Yelp re- review, we read that very carefully. And then we take their recommendations to heart and then make any adjustments that we need. I think that's why we are a five-star restaurant. And then as the nonprofit um, you know, we have a small team, but we're helping 190 families right now, wow. currently active. Um, majority of them are from Afghanistan and we're awaiting families from Ukraine. So just really knowing what we're good at and keeping those promises. And then if someone gives us feedback, then really um, using that as an opportunity to refine our methods. Do you have any other plans like outside of having the restaurant? Are there any sort of similar initiatives that you are working on? Um, I'm making a baby right now. I'm pregnant. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. That's so exciting. um, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So I am personally um, preparing for maternity leave, um, which should be the end of August um, for a few months. And the due date is early September. So that's kind of where my mind is at right now with work. You know, we found what works for us and we're Mm -hmm. always refining and redefining what we do. So there's a lot of adaptivity that the Mm -hmm. team has that I'm really proud of. You know, hopefully five years from now, it could be a easily duplicated model that Mm -hmm. could be um, taught to people in different counties or states 
that are also interested in helping refugee families. You know, that actually kind of segues perfectly into my next question, which is, um, although I don't know, you know, obviously the gender, but I was going to say, what advice do you have for the next generation of boss ladies? Oh, yeah. Um, Yes. So the next generation, I would say the magic happens during the breaks if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. when you take breaks, when you have time off, when you go on vacation, it's not like your brain stops working. Um, That's actually when you do the best problem solving. So I really recommend doing that more often. So then you can come back and like work more efficiently. That's what's been really helpful for me. I think when I slow down more, I'm able to get a lot more done. I think that's great advice because I feel like people do not take PTO enough. I mean, I have so many friends who are like, oh, I just let my PTO expire or, oh, I got 10 days for the year, but I only used five. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So take, take it all, take it all. I tell the team too, you know, if I notice they haven't taken a break for a while, like I really encourage them to go ahead and do so. So you have no value to anyone if you're burned out. Yeah. Any managers and leaders listening, follow that and encourage your teams to take time off because I agree. I think that's such an important, you know, time to like unwind, but allow for creativity to come in, like you said. So I think that's amazing. My last question for you, and this is my favorite question to ask is what do you feel is one of your greatest accomplishments? Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) it's a tough one. I would say staying committed to therapy. Um, I work in a very highly stressful, highly traumatic environment. You know, you're talking about families that are fleeing wars. And um, as you noticed in the news, like these crises don't stop. Like there's always a new country or a new wave of people that are displaced. So um, for me, it really um, affects me personally. Mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because of my family's experience and journey. So I think that commitment to therapy has been really good for me. And I'm able to um, reframe or just remove myself from um, the intense emotions and um, be really focused and strategic around what I am trying to accomplish. I think that's amazing and and probably incredibly challenging as there is so much happening in the world right now, especially, um, to, you know, stay, stay healthy in here so that you can continue working on the things you're passionate about. Yeah. Cause it's like, I'm already working through my own traumas and then now I'm vicariously living through other people's traumas. And then there's social media. Maybe, you know, I log on to take a break, but then more information is being shared. So I really have to take care of myself. That's such an important message to share because I think oftentimes we get so caught up in in helping everyone around us that we forget that the best way you can help everyone around you is to really make sure that you're good. So I love that. And I appreciate you answering that question like that. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on boss ladies. I I love your work. You're such a boss lady. I hope anyone listening, you know, finds a way to get involved or reach out to the foundation and, you know, check out the restaurant and support this work because it's truly incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of boss ladies. Check back next week for a new episode. 
Visit us at www.bossladiespodcast.com for more information about the show or follow us at Boss Ladies Podcast on Instagram. Rate, like, and follow the show on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Mm-hmm.